I'm Michelle Kelly, editor of Cottage Life Magazine. Welcome to the Cottage Life Podcast. In this episode, I sit down with Terry Rees, the Executive Director of the Federation of Ontario Cottagers Associations, to chat about a topic that seems to be top of mind for many cottagers these days, short-term rentals. Then, we'll revisit an essay about what I think is the culinary delight of August. This is the Cottage Life Podcast, where every day is the weekend. Hey, Cottage Coach Adam Holman here. We don't get many summer weekends in Canada, so we need to embrace every single one of them. That means my family and I get outside no matter what. Whether the sky is grey, or the wind off the lake is chilly, or even when the mosquitoes are biting. But before we head outside, we need a reliable bug repellent, and that's where off gentle insect repellent comes in. It's deep free and repels mosquitoes for up to five hours, so you can use it with confidence on the whole family, six months and older. Plus, the formula feels good on the skin, and it's not oily, sticky, or greasy. Try it, and you'll have one more great reason to embrace the outdoors every summer weekend. There is no question that short-term rentals are here to stay. Since the pandemic, more and more Canadians have been heading north to rent cottages, and that has led to an increasing number of cottage communities that are looking for ways to regulate the industry. Terry Rees of the Federation of Ontario Cottagers Associations is here to chat about solutions to problem renters and what cottage owners who rent out their places can do to keep their community and the environment happy. Thanks for joining me on the podcast, Terry. Always a pleasure, Michelle. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. So first of all, tell me a little bit about FOCA and the work that you guys do in cottage country. FOCA is the Federation of Ontario Cottagers Associations, and since 1963, we've been representing the interests of people that uh, enjoy and live around Ontario's lakes and rivers. So we uh, we support local groups in trying to do good work uh, at their uh, local level and represent their interests to the province and others uh, on matters of policy and generally just act as an information hub to try and help people better understand what's happening in the, across the community and how they can do their part to ensure that uh, we're keeping everything uh, sustainable and enjoyable for the long term. Um, one thing that I, I, I really wanted to focus on today is a, is a topic that people have been really, um, you know, it's been a hot button issue in cottage country building for the last couple of summers, but I think is getting, you know, more and more urgent for a lot of people and that's cottage rentals sort of seems to be on everyone's minds. I guess we've had two years of a, of a major real estate boom in, in cottage country, and that's having some impact. So are you hearing that, at, um, you know, with what you're doing as well? Yeah, for sure. And definitely in the last two years, it's been an unprecedented flight to, to uh, cottage country all across the country, really. Yeah. And uh, lots of new entrants, lots of new people that want to get out there and enjoy the same things that uh, the, the long timers enjoy and uh, and many of them taking advantage of a whole bunch of the rental platforms, as you mentioned, uh, in order to defray uh, some of the costs and and to um, and to afford themselves the ability to, to buy a place that maybe they wouldn't otherwise be able to afford. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So you touched on a lot there. So it's a complex topic and, and it's a tricky thing, I think, rentals, because to me, um, you know, and I'll confess, I, I am a longtime cottage renter and, um, you know, we go to the same cottage every summer, uh, my family, and we love it as if it were our own. And I think because of what I do, I have a strong sense of how to behave, you know, I, I know that my, my voice carries over water very, very loudly, uh, for example. But I think, you know, I, I like to think of renters, the majority of them like me, they're, they're quite respectable, they want to have a nice family holiday. But, uh, you know, of course, that's not always the case. As, as with anything, there are some people who take advantage and who are, you know, disrespectful of their neighbors and of the environment, which is really unfortunate. And I think it's unfortunate for a couple of reasons, like, First of all, a lot of cottagers, as you just very rightfully said, um, they rely on rental income to keep their places. And I think that that's important. Um, and most importantly, at a time when cottage real estate has become so expensive, it renting is a way to keep Canadians, um, you know, that uh, gives them a way to access our lakes in a meaningful way. And I think that that's so important. Um, you know, we don't want cottaging to become the thing that rich people do, do and that is not for everyone else. But so, you know, those are some of the complex angles of the topic. And so I know that FOCA is a huge resource for, for cottagers on all sides of that subject. So tell me, what are some of the ways that you support cottagers who are looking to rent out their places? We're like the complaints department, right? I mean, we hear a lot of people mm-hmm. that are worried about various things. They're worried about changes to their uh, biology, the ecosystem, water quality, you know, land use planning. And and we do hear a lot and have over the last number of years, more every year, uh, concerns about um, behaviors uh, at, the, at the lake. And often that's connected to the short-term rental market. But I would say that in our experience, there's a large number of people renting and there's a small number of people who cause some problems. And that makes some people have a tremendously negative experience if they've got neighbors that are chronically like that. And and Mm -hmm. very many others who have, like you, regular return uh, patrons or people that families that come. And who en- enjoy the experience every every bit as much as everyone else appreciate and respect the the area that they are enjoying just like everyone else, and um, but there's you know simple rules like you say I mean if you've got a loud voice I mean that's good for you it carries well Michelle but maybe uh, <laughs> and maybe your neighbors know a lot about you that, that you didn't want them to know but noise is a, is something for sure I mean it's just it's mm. a it's a matter of just trying to have a look around and being sensitive. Uh, sensitive to what's happening around you so noise is a big thing especially at night people have kids people want to enjoy the quiet of of the shoreline so managing your your noise is is appropriate man um, being careful about property lines um it can be a little vague in cottage country but especially Mm -hmm. if you have pets or kids tend to wander Uh, so just being respectful and and making sure you're you're respectful of the people who are on either side of you uh, is important, you know, just sort of minding yourself and, and your guests and your, and your pets, that can be an important thing. Uh, and the other things, uh, I'll just keep going that we tend to hear Please, about are, yeah. uh, uh, issues around garbage. We have animals in cottage country that love when they get an opportunity to, to tear into a bag or something. So there's often, um, problems if if we don't manage our waste properly and it can be a a nuisance it can be a hazard uh, if you don't use the proper 
facilities or don't use bare bins, for instance. So those are the kinds of things we can manage. Parking can be a problem. Many people access uh, these properties through uh, very small, uh, either private roads or laneways. There's often pretty, you know, limited, narrow access. So if you've got multiple cars parked all over, that you know, whoever's doing that, renter or otherwise, that can be a problem for safety. Uh, concerns about people being able to access their own property or getting through a roadway. So those are those are things that um, people need to consider. And a lot of these, and I've got a couple others too, but a, a lot of this can be dealt with through a, a, a responsible and thoughtful uh, way to approach renters in a way that allows them to appreciate that and understand that. And that can be via a binder, like a welcome binder or mm-hmm. a way that you can help people both appreciate the, the lakeside environment even more. You can talk about the history of the lake, the biota on the lake, where the loons are nesting and all that kind of stuff, which makes the experience better for your renter. But also you can explain things like how not how a septic system works because you're not in yes. the city anymore. So that's an important thing to know what goes down the toilet, which is just what's supposed to be in the toilet and nothing else, because that can be a real problem. I've never, you know, there's one thing that'll spoil a holiday is when the flushing is going the wrong direction. Yes, indeed. I've been there. (laughs) Changes the whole experience. So it's it's in our best interest, all of us, to make sure that we're managing our wastewater uh, appropriately, because, you know, it can go badly if if, uh, they can work fine. If you, if you, um, use them the way they're intended to be used. But if, uh, if not, uh, if they get abused or overused, they can be, they can become a problem, which is no fun for anybody. You make so many great points there. And I think what you said there at the end about having a welcome binder is key. I know um, this is something we we've talked about many, many times in our content on cottagelife.com. We talk about, you know, what you should have in that binder. I find sometimes, you know, the stuff you're talking about is really common sense, really, um, you know, especially if someone's primed you in, a, in, a, in, a, in an appropriate way. You know, you should be courteous to your neighbors and not let your dog go and poop on their lawn. That's something that everyone should really know as a baseline. I find um, some of the issues that arise come from etiquette and, and sort of understanding what the, what the um, rules are specific to the particular community that you're in. And I'll give you an example about something that happened when I was renting. I, I um, the cottage we, we rent is on, um, is on Lake Huron. So it's one long beach and the custom nice. there in the evenings is to have a, a fire. Really beautiful. You look down the beach and everyone's got a bonfire going and it's, it's yeah, quite lovely. Beautiful. Yes. Um, so in the binder, it said, don't have a fire if it's too windy. So, okay, that's fine. And, and of course, you know, we would respect fire bans and all of that, but there was no fire ban. And, and one night there was a slight breeze, but we didn't feel that we were, you know, risking anything, um, you know, using our best judgment and of people who've spent lots of time in the wilderness. And we had a, a fire. The neighbor the next door, who's who's an owner of the cottage, came over and said, you know, on this beach, we don't have fires um, when it's too windy. And, you know, you could you could see that they were upset. And I and I do understand where that comes from, too. They don't want their cottage to burn down. Fair enough. (laughs) But I think what's interesting, what that sort of taught me is that sometimes, you know, if you're a cottage owner, I think you have to understand that it is about making someone's best judgment. And sometimes renters are doing things that they don't understand is, is an issue. We didn't realize it was too windy to have a fire. So I do think that there's a certain amount of 
you know, we say this all the time at the magazine when people send us questions, as they often do, about my neighbor's doing this and it's annoying me. And I always say, like, go talk to them. Like, go talk to them and tell them what's happening because they may not realize. And I think that's an important point, particularly about renters who doubly may not realize um, the problems that they're causing and are perfectly happy. And we put our fire right out and we went inside and we didn't want to cause an issue. You know, we didn't want to burn anything down either. So I think it's the etiquette stuff that's kind of in the gray area. So I wonder what you say to cottagers who are talking about that because I know they're so passionate. They they so strongly want their cottage to be a peaceful you know, wonderful place. So it can get quite heated. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. And um, they can, this subtlety can be there too, about what's appropriate and what's not. So it's not always, it's not always apparent, but uh, you're right. I mean, the first line of defense is just to give people a benefit of the doubt and say, you know, give them some tips. I mean, most people that are there are there to enjoy it and be part of the fun and part of the community and don't want to be a nuisance or otherwise. So uh, giving them the benefit of the doubt and, and letting them know if there's something happening, uh, you know, boating is another thing where there's, you know, can be quite specific etiquette around narrows and, you know, which direction you're meant to go through a certain, you know, access point and this sort of Your thing. Speed close to shore and creating a way close to shore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, it's, there's a lot of common sense and legal things that you should know in any case before you head out on the water. But sometimes it's a matter of, um, local custom or there's a real sensitivity maybe there's loon nesting in a certain area and you wouldn't right otherwise know that so it's it's important to pay attention as a renter and if 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 um something arises that's uh, causing causing you some uh consternation then i think talking to the person directly as your neighbor did there i think that's you know we, we're all trying to live in harmony and uh mm-hmm. if people don't know they don't know so give them the give them the knowledge they need and hopefully everyone can uh, enjoy enjoy the lake together. Just uh, pivoting slightly here, I do know that in certain areas it has become quite contentious and there's there actually some cottage groups are turning to more legislative solutions to try and contain the problems that, that some uh, short-term renters have brought on. And I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what those solutions are. Right. Well, it's mostly a matter for the municipal government to to manage because they're in charge of land use generally. And there's some provincial provisions around um, what what you're allowed to do, but mostly it's, it lands at the municipal level. So municipalities in in, in and on their own uh, initiative or with the encouragement of irate uh, ratepayers, presumably, have undertaken uh, numerous uh, approaches to to try to manage the issue or the emerging use of of our of our communities by uh short-term rentals you know short-term rentals have all kinds of implications for municipalities and in the cities it's about affordability and the availability of of rental units and that's a little bit the case in cottage country but in cottage country it's more so seems to be the issue that it's a there's a commercial use uh happening where that's really uh a neighborhood that's meant for a residential use. Now it's still a family and they're still using it like a, a normal, a rent, an owner family would, would use it. But uh, the fact that there's a revolving door of, of people coming in and out has caused some municipalities to take a manner, a whole different cadre of approaches. Uh, the most sort of elaborate ones being around licensing and having a whole demerit system. And you get that up in the Collingwood area. There's, mm-hmm. they've, uh, they took that approach early on, 
to try to ensure that people that were renting had a key holder that they had, you know, they had fire codes um, covered that the places were safe for the renting public, make sure they had adequate parking and garbage uh, management, etc. Uh, so that's quite an elaborate uh, approach that's uh, been a, been used a few times. Uh, there's a few other places want to do have you register if you're going to um, be renting your place for some number of weeks per year because I think the occasional brother-in-law is not really what anyone's really after uh, using right. your place. It's the it's more about the people that are doing it as more of a they're not owner operator or not resident operators. They sort of are using their place almost exclusively as renters. So um, they all require a thoughtful approach um, because, you know, enforcing this stuff is, you know, some of it comes down to judgment around how noisy is noisy. I mean, there are noise bylaws and this sort of thing and a fire is a fire. Um, But I know a number of uh, jurisdictions have also just said, listen, you know, we don't need another, another set of rules on our books, bylaws. We've got a noise bylaw. We've got a garbage bylaw. We've got a parking bylaw. Let's just make sure that no matter who it is, renter, resident, whoever, that we've got the appropriate enforcement, the appropriate amount of disincentive, so fines are high enough, and mm-hmm. um, and that we that there's rules in place that people understand, and if people broach those rules, then there's a way to uh, to um, to discourage them, and often that means making sure that it's the owner that's the one who who feels the pain and maybe not the renter because that encourages uh, the owners to be diligent about who they're renting to. Yeah. We've been talking about like, you know, that encourages the owner to be more responsible as, as a business owner in a sense, uh, I suppose there in those cases. Uh, Yeah. So I, that's something I say to people a lot. If you're looking to buy a cottage right now, uh, you know, and renting is part of your affordability plan, then you should absolutely be making sure calling your municipal office because it does, as you pointed out, change. It's sort of maddening as everything's different across the province, depending on who you are. And I know the Collingwood area is is a bit of a special case only because they have, they're a little bit further along in terms of development. But um, so listen, I also wanted to take the time, you know, thanks for all those great very helpful tips. I, I think that you're exactly right that, um, you know, there, there is, it's a lot of this stuff is common sense and it's just a matter of, of, of making sure that we're doing this. Everyone is doing the things we already know, uh, should be done at a lakefront property. But, you know, I also wanted to give you a minute to talk about other things that focus up to right now, you know, it's, we're getting to the middle of August here. And so I'm sure it's been a busy summer. What, what have you, what have you been doing? What are you working on? Well, uh, as we always do, we're trying to encourage uh, stewardship amongst everyone that enjoys the water. So we've got a number of uh, monitoring programs. Your comment earlier about having eyes and ears on the on the situation uh, rings really true for us. So we've got hundreds of volunteers that participate in the Lake Partner Program. It's a water quality monitoring program that's been going on for 30 years. So we've got an incredible data set based on the backs of volunteers who have contributed to that program. It's uh, it's the largest program of its kind, uh, and it's, we're really proud of that. And it's help, helping us to understand so many of the changes that are happening. And climate's uh, changing, and water yeah. is a real place where that's manifesting itself, whether it's warming Great Lakes, warming inland lakes, and how that impacts blue-green algae, et cetera. So very important there. We've also got a bunch of volunteers working on a number of sampling programs uh, around invasive species. So uh, we're still worried about the introduction of species uh, that don't belong here because they can really upset our our the balance of our ecosystems, and we've got uh, many groups working uh, 
through the Green Shovels Collaborative with the Invasive Species Center and Nature Conservancy Ducks Unlimited on uh, Phragmites control, which is a real problem. If you've uh, been vacationing on Lake Huron, uh, you'd know that uh, in certain areas they've been uh, just overrun with this uh, with this bulrush that looks lovely, uh, but it's a nuisance and it can really create a monoculture. Okay. So we've got group, groups on the ground that are actually trying to better understand it, take action to control it in, in areas where they can, and and just generally contribute to um, keeping this ecosystem intact. So we've got many many dedicated volunteers across the province uh, that are just committed to uh, committed to making sure they're lake and their lake environment is maintained and and it's going to be there for the grandkids because cottage is a real legacy for most families and um it's not usually just about your own time there but it's about uh family and kids and what what the place is going to look like when when it's theirs to to look after you bet well, I can't think of a better place to end. Um, Terry, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all this knowledge. And I also want to point out if you are looking to learn more about the work that FOCA does or start a lake association on your own lake, you can go to foca.on.ca. And Terry uh, will be more than happy to help you out, I'm sure. And um, have a great rest of summer. We've got a couple more weeks here. Let's uh, make the most of them. Absolutely. And we've had some of the most beautiful weather recently. So yeah, do do contact us if you have any questions. And thanks, Michelle. Always a pleasure to talk with you about cottage issues. Thanks, Terry. Is there anything better than a late summer feast at the lake? And is there anything more delicious that you can put on the table than a dozen ears of fresh corn? At my childhood cottage, and at many of yours, I suspect, there was a certain way that you ate the corn, and you didn't mess with the method. I wrote about this in my cottage classic essay, Colonel Knowledge, for our August 2007 issue. It's read for you now by Jennifer Kingsley. Boiled or grilled, on the cob or off, summer corn is delicious. But it's going to be extra delicious smothered in butter, calories be damned. You'd think that actually getting the butter on the corn would be a straightforward process, but it's amazing the number of ways this can be done. I know people who start their summer meals with a slice of heavily buttered baguette on their side plates, on which they roll their cobs before eating the bread itself. Another family I know makes butter presents, small cubes of butter individually bundled in cheesecloth, which they rub on the kernels. It's beyond impressive that they take the time to do this, but frankly... Both are a bit too fussy for us, a family with a firm belief in an extended pre-dinner cocktail hour. Of course, if it's ease of execution you're after, you can simply slide a slice of butter over the cob with a knife, but good luck keeping it from slipping off. In my books, the most effective way to get all that yellow goodness slathered between the kernels is the Kelly family free-for-all. Put a pound of butter on a large, sturdy plate, and roll the cobs directly in it. There are usually upwards of 12 eager eaters jostling for position around our cottage table, and all are keen to get to their cobs while they're still hot. But being first isn't always best. The block is still flat and hasn't reached its trademark cradle shape, a stage of perfection attained only after six or seven cobs have tilled a golden furrow. It's at this point that each kernel nearly butters itself. 
Some will point out that this method's not very polite, certainly by our city dining standards, and I admit the butter does begin to look unappetizing, particularly when the husker hasn't been diligent about removing all those silky corn hairs. But what about eating corn on the cob is polite or pretty? Regardless of whether you go at it back and forth, typewriter style, or follow a circular pattern, you're going to end up with a good portion of it either plastered to your cheek, dribbling off your chin, or stuck in your teeth. You don't eat it to look good. You eat it because it tastes good. Being a large group, my family can unwrap a package of butter early in the weekend, and by Sunday it's very nearly gone. Next weekend, we'll start a new block. In-season corn deserves nothing less. We have the rest of the year to be tasteful with our condiments. Hey, Cottage Coach Adam Holman here. Some cottage memories I want to keep forever. Like that proud look on my son's face the first time he hooked a fish. Or keeping him up late so he can see all the stars that we never see back in the city. But if I could forget one thing about the cottage, it would be the swarms of mosquitoes. And that's tough to do when you're covered in itchy reminders of every second you spent in shorts. So to make sure my family and I remember the good stuff, we never forget to use off gentle insect repellent. It repels mosquitoes for up to five hours, and the deep-free formula isn't oily, greasy, or sticky. So now, I can remember the good stuff and forget the mosquitoes. This year, we're marking the 35th anniversary of Cottage Life. To celebrate our birthday, we've asked a few of our fans to share what they love about the magazine and about being at the lake. Thanks to superfan Chris Pudell for sending us this lovely message that certainly hits on some familiar themes. Flipping through the pages of Cottage Life magazine lets my insatiable curiosity of cottage spaces and the stories behind them truly be satisfied. I mean, who isn't the least bit curious looking at cottages while driving or boating by and thinking what it's like inside? Sure, I could just look over real estate listings, but these are usually staged to present a property to appeal to as many people as possible and well, kind of bland. There's nothing personal behind anything. So I enjoy seeing some truly inspirational cottage interiors. Not just the architecture, but the feeling of the home with its chosen decor. The more heirlooms, collections, photographs, and knickknacks, the better. Every item should have a story, a reason for why it's there and how it came to be. There are some truly unique places across Canada, and I get to go to many of them in the pages of the magazine. That's it for this episode. Thanks for joining us. Please take a minute to subscribe to this podcast so that each new episode will automatically download to your app and be ready for you to enjoy. And please leave us a review. It helps more people find us. And speaking of subscribing, let me share a few reasons why you should subscribe to Cottage Life. The magazine offers you more of the same great content you heard today, including all of the things you don't know you don't know about life at the lake. And by supporting the magazine, you're also supporting this podcast. So podcast listeners get a special deal. Subscribe today and you'll get six issues plus a free copy of our amazing Cottage Spaces booklet, which features our favorite cottages from 35 years of publishing. All this for just $24.95. To sign up, visit cottagelife.com slash 
Pod Offer. Our sound design is by Amanda Fusco. This podcast is produced by Catherine Jun and me, Michelle Kelly. I'll see you on the dock.